Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. We got a few verses. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Go ahead and get your Bible and flip there with me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. As Luke mentioned last week, we are entering this last part of the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to finish it today, but we're entering that last part, the conclusion. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, if you got it, go ahead and stand on your feet. Y'all know how we do it. Stand on your feet if you're able as we read the word of God together uh, this morning. <clears throat> if you got it, go ahead and say got it. All right. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. The text reads, not everyone who says to me, Lord... Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Very words of God, amen. Today I want to preach on this topic. Don't be a poser. Don't be a poser. Go ahead and say that to your neighbor next to you. Go ahead, you can tell them I told you to do it. Don't be a poser. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. You're a good God even when words are hard like this one. So, God, I pray that you would decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Father, let your folks hear a word from you this morning. Although it may be tough, God, you're still good. Speak with my mouth, God. Think with my mind. God, let everything that's said and done be glorifying to you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Y'all remember posers in high school? Y'all remember posers, right? That might have been you, right? Y'all remember posers? We all, y'all know what I mean when I say posers. Anybody still adult posing? Y'all, 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 is that you? Mm, I see some heads shake. I'll be honest. Y'all know what I mean when I say poser? A, po- a poser, someone who pretend, pretends to be something that they're not. Amen. Amen. Somebody, some, someone who, who can talk a good game, can even do all the right things, but they really don't believe what they're giving off. You know, the person that is the life of the party, the party happens when they walk in the place, but in reality, when you sit down with them, they're literally dying on the inside. You know the guy on the basketball court. I call it the creative player syndrome. He has 
every, you know, y'all ever played a video game, you can get on the game and you can create the player that you want him to be. And this dude, I mean, so the dude on the court, he has the Iverson sleeve on, he, he's got the head, the headband, the wristbands, he's got the new LBJs on the $200 ones, he's ready to play. But then when he touches the basketball, dude can't even dribble. Ah, uh, y'all can't get with that one, right? How about the girl on Instagram? The one wearing the mask. And I'm not talking about scary mask, the Michael Myers Halloween mask. I'm talking about she got so much makeup on, look like she's wearing a mask. She takes it off, looks like a whole different person. Makeup can do some wonders, y'all. We, we know posers, right? We, we know some posers. Maybe we're sitting in that place right now. Y'all quiet because maybe that's us, huh? We all know posers, right? I, I remember when I was in high school, or, or actually middle school. I remember middle school. This is back in the 90s. Some of y'all were born in the 90s. But in the 90s, I remember being in middle school, and uh, everybody poses. We all posers in middle school. We're trying to figure it out. And I remember middle school, they had this, this all-denim jean outfit that came out back then. And you, you had to have one. And the funny thing is that jean outfits are coming back around now. It's like the fashion always goes in cycle. I saw this dude the other day with some overalls on. I'm like, what is happening? That ain't cool, dog. We don't do that. But, but, but back, in, back in the 90s, man, it was this, this, this all denim outfit that came out. And, and, and I just had to have one. Where I was from, we called these outfits hard boys. Maybe that's not what you called it. It was called a hard boy. And it was called a hard boy because the, the actual denim was so stiff. It was so hard when you took it off the shelf and you put it on, you had to like, you know, move around and, and get it moving a little bit. You had to make it, you had to work into it a little bit. But we also called it a hard boy because when you put it on, you thought you was hard, boy. He's like, I'm the man out here in these streets. Everybody gonna like me because I have this hard boy outfit on. And I remember back then begging my mother for one of these outfits. I just had to have one because everybody had one sixth, seventh grade. I'm like, I got to get one of these because it's going to make me the man. This is what I need. And, 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 but I'm like, it's the 90s. And y'all, this guest, y'all remember guest jean? Guest jean outfit, it cost about $200. That's a lot of money today. But back then in the 90s and in middle school, I wanted this. So I'm begging her and she's trying to figure out how to do this. And, and so she buys the jacket and my grandmother buys the pants for me. And I had this guest jean outfit, y'all. And I walked into that school. I remember going to school and, you know, I had my walk on. Uh, uh. Uh, I, was, I, was, I thought I was the man walking into that school. And you know, everybody, you know how people, when they see you, you think it's something cool, they, under their breath, they're like, oh, ooh, that's fresh. That's 90s reference, fresh. That's tight. You know, people were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, boy. You know, I look good. You know, I look good right now. I thought I was the man. The reality is, as good as that jean outfit looked, as expensive as it was, My mother worked three jobs, single mom, three younger sisters, five of us living in a small apartment. Y'all, I was posing. 
I was a poser. I was, I was acting like I had it all together. When you looked at me, you thought I was rich. But on, in reality, we was broke. We didn't have it all together. I was a poser. And family, hear me. This is a tough word as we get into it this morning because here's the reality. There's many of us in here that are still, we are posers too. Driving cars, we should not be driving. We can't afford it. Living in houses, we cannot afford. We're pinching pennies and check to check every week. We got a closet full of clothes with, with, with the tags still on them. Not because we, we haven't taken them off yet. It's because we're going to wear it one time. We're taking it back to the store. We can't afford it. Posers. And Jesus in this text is getting at the same thing, but yet he's making it a little bit spiritual. And he's begging the question, how many of us in here truly say we love Jesus? We can look the part on the outside, but really on the inside, our faith is non-existent. It's tough. Let me ask you as we get into this text. I got one question. Are you a poser? Or do you truly Love Jesus. It's tough. Are you a poser? Do you truly love and abide by his word? Uh, last week, Luke said in this text, as he entered it, he said this is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And with any conclusion, I like the way he, he said it. There's kind of this standard precedent to where you have to pay attention to what's about to be read or what's about to be said in the conclusion. So we need to look at it and pay attention to what Jesus is saying because he's summing up the Sermon on the Mount. And with that said, this passage today would still be part of the longer passage that Luke preached last week because in the old, in the original language, it would have been one long passage. It's not split up the way we see it today. So it'd be one long passage. So we got to, I got to brief you a little bit on what Luke talked about last week, because some of you might not have been here and you haven't been following along. Jesus begins in verse 13 in chapter seven. And he says, there's one way to life. There's one way to life and the way is narrow, but the gate is wide to destruction. And as Luke explained last week, this is very problematic for us. That's problematic because we live in a society that says, you got your truth, you have your truth, you have your truth, and your truth, just because it's your truth doesn't mean that it's my truth, and that doesn't make my truth wrong because your truth is your truth. But here's the reality. There can only be one absolute truth. That's why it's called truth. It's kind of like the MJ and Michael Jordan and LeBron James argument. Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? I mean, it's only really one right answer, right? Michael Jordan. But some of y'all would disagree and be like, well, look, Michael Jordan had the killer instinct, but LeBron James, he's got the full package. I mean, he's 6'8", 260 pounds. He can throw passes. He can shoot the ball. He can do all of those things. See, we can pick apart somebody else's truth about what they think about something, or we can look at someone's life and say, well, you got this flaw. You got this problem. Or, or we can say, that's, your, that's just one truth. But when you read this text, Jesus isn't sitting here saying, look, look, this is a Michael Jordan, a LeBron James argument. He's saying, no, no, no. There's only one truth. There's only one way that leads to life. And that's through me. It's through Jesus. That's what he's really getting at in this text. But see, again, that's problematic. 
That's problematic to folks because we want to know what we feel is right. We want to know what we think is right. God, affirm what I think. Not the scriptures, but affirm what I feel and I think is right. But Jesus says in the text, I am the only way. And not just that. He says, I'm the way that leads to life. I'm the way that leads to satisfaction. See that job you thought you, you got, you know, it was a dream job. It's like, this is exactly what I wanted for my life. I want to have everything I want right now. Nope. That man or that woman, you know, the one with the track body, you're like, oh, yeah, she fine as a bag of chips. That's all I wanted. Nope. That amount of money. Nope. That house, that car. Nope. It didn't bring you what you needed. It's not going to give you what you want. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that leads to life. I'm the one that gives you everything you need. I am the one it leads to life. Jesus goes on and he says, beware of those that promise life or the wolves that are in sheep's clothing that look fruitful. You see this in chapter seven, but yet they're not. He says, look at their fruit. He says, beware of listening to them. And here's a word for some of us in here. Too many of us are listening to too many people. That too many people in our ears and we're listening to everything they say. We take people at their word as if it's absolute truth without us going and researching for ourselves. No fact finding. We, we're not even looking at the Bible like, well, what does it really say? We're, we're, we're just taking it as, as truth. My mom used to tell me back in the day, she would tell me, she'd say, look, there, if somebody tell you to jump off a bridge, it's 200 feet in the air, you going to jump? No, I ain't going to jump, Mama. But that's the reality, family. Too many of us hear people talking and we, we just jump. We're jumping so quick. We're listening too quickly to other people. We trust too easily. I mean, somebody can paint this pretty kind of Picasso-looking picture in your face. They can give you all of these things. They can even twist the words of God around and then having you think and say, well, did God really say that? Uh, did, did, did he, was it that clear? Did he really say that? And the reason being is because we either don't know for ourselves or we trust too easily. Family, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Do, do you know, how well do you know Jesus? How well do you know his scripture the word of God to check what people are saying to you how, how well do you know this Bible I mean that was Adam and Eve's problem they're in the garden they just heard what God told them to do don't eat from the tree but yet this serpent comes along and he's like did God really say all of that did God really say that and they're, they're duped and they knew what God said but yet they trust the words of something else. And now today, years later, we're still dealing with the same sin predicament where we turn from God's word right here and we turn to what other people say or what they think or what we think for ourselves instead of trusting God. People can trick you, family. People can swindle you. And sadly, as Luke said last week, a lot of those folks are sitting up in the church. Folks can be selfish and not care about you at all. 
especially in America, because we live in this society where everything revolves around me, 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 me. What's in it for, for me? Friends, what I'm really trying to get at is that we have to be discerning. We got to pay attention to what and who we're listening to. This all brings us to the text today where Jesus says, look at it with me. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. When he says, Lord, 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 that, that, that's a personal, that, that's somebody having a personal relationship with him. He's saying, Lord, Lord, Lord. So he said, and not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. He keeps going and he says that they will say, Lord, Lord, I did this and I did that in your name. But he will say to them, I never knew you workers of lawlessness. Basically, Jesus is saying, you didn't know me. You were just a poser. I don't know you. It's kind of like when people, they meet somebody and then they come back to you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met somebody that knew you. They said they knew you there. And I'm like, I don't know them. Who? They don't know me. Jesus is saying, they don't know me. They're going to do all these things in my name and say it's about me. They're going to do miraculous acts. They're going to say this. They're going to sit in the pew on Sunday or the seat on Sunday and say, I knew Jesus. I know him. But they really don't know him. Hear me. This is tough. But an oral confession of Jesus as Lord does not always indicate a repentant heart. Let me say that again. An oral confession of Jesus as Lord does not always indicate a repentant heart. This means that some of us, we can change what we look like. We could even praise Jesus with our mouths. But the question is, what's going on in your heart? We can look the part. But what's going on in the heart? I know some of y'all thinking I got that Professor X thing from X-Men. I can hear your thoughts right now. You're thinking, you're sitting there and you're saying, Ah, but Pastor D, I tithe. I give money to the church. Matter of fact, I don't just tithe. I, I'm the cheerful giver. I give way more than just 10% of my salary. Doesn't that make me saved? Ah, oh, better yet, you're saying, you're saying, I, I serve a breakthrough. I, I give my life and my time to the homeless. I, I'm, I'm serving them. I, I, I'm, I'm giving money to youth. I, I'm doing all the, I'm mentoring people. I'm serving on the setup and teardown team at church. I sing on the worship team. I'm doing all these things. I even lead a group. I'm so spiritual. Doesn't that make me saved? And here's the thing. You can be doing all of that. You can be giving money. You can be giving your time, but you're giving it and doing it maybe because you think you're supposed to be doing it. You're doing it out of obligation instead of love for Jesus. And Jesus, here's the thing, family, if I'm honest, if we're honest today, some of us, that's the place we're sitting in. Our Christian beliefs it doesn't have anything to do with a, a changed heart. It doesn't have anything to do with a repentant heart. We're just in church because somebody told us we're supposed to be up in church. My mama and my grandma and them, they used to go to church, so I come to church. 
You believe this is the right place to be. And don't hear me saying that if you don't love Jesus, you can't be up in the church. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus said, I came here to serve and to, and, and to, to heal the sick. I came for the people that need a doctor, not those that didn't need a doctor. So here's the reality. We all walk up into this church messed up. We all walk up into this church jacked up. But it's by the grace of God that we're saved and we're able to walk differently because of his work in our hearts. But family, don't miss my question. How's your heart? Is your faith genuine? Do you really love Jesus? Or are you a poser? Okay, some of y'all are still missing this. Y'all, I'm a stickler about ketchup. I like ketchup. How many of y'all like ketchup? Y'all go with me on this one. and Because I, I know I'm not the only weird one or the one in here. I, I mean, how many of y'all can tell the difference between Heinz ketchup and that fake stuff? You know, the, the stuff that cut, they cut all the sugar out. I mean, come on, it's ketchup. I mean, how many of y'all can tell the difference? I know I ain't the weird one up in here. Look, I can tell. It just don't taste the same. And, and all my Hunts fans in here, y'all can fight with me after church. Look, Heinz is the real deal, Holyfield. <laughs> It's the one and only. So early on in my marriage, we got married, and my wife, you know, she, she just, you know, I think she bought, she bought some off-brand stuff, and instead of giving me the bottle, she put it on my plate. And so we're eating it. I take, I don't remember what we were eating, and I just start dipping it in the ketchup, and I'm like, okay, cool. And I dipped it in, and I, I, I start eating it. I'm like, what is this? This ain't Heinz. But here's the thing, when I looked at it, it looked like Heinz. It had the same consistency, it had the same color, it even smelled like Heinz, but when I tasted it, it was fake. It was a poser. I mean, it's kind of like Fruit Loops and Fruit O's. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that growing up in the hood, you just eat Fruit Loops and Fruit O's. It ain't the same thing, y'all, one is a poser. See, what I'm really getting at is, how's your heart? If we go under the covers, are you truly and genuinely loving Jesus and obeying his commandments, his word, or are you just a poser? So you ask, well, okay, Pastor D, I, 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 I truly understand. I, I, I get where you're going, but uh, how, how do I know if I'm truly operating from a heart of repentance how do I know that because again we can talk about it all day Jesus being my savior we can worship on Sunday mornings about how good he is and how good he's been we can put our hands in the air and say thank you Jesus for the blood but hear me Jesus for the believer he can't just be your savior. But for the believer, Jesus also has to be Lord. You can't have one without the other. Jesus is savior and Lord. Now, friends, this is where it gets hard. This is a hard word because we think we are the captains of our own souls. If we're honest, we think we have what it takes to run the ship by ourselves. We don't need any help. Everything is under our own control. So, so Jesus is just one part 
of our lives. He's not my whole life. Some of y'all have heard me say this before. You got the file cabinet of your life. Here's Derek Puckett, the file cabinet. And you're looking at it and say, that's my file cabinet. And Jesus, you got one file. Everything else is mine. It's not, it's not yours. It's mine. I'm the ruler of my own soul. I can make all these choices. But here's the hard truth. Jesus is not in the business at all interested in sharing the throne of your life, in the believer's life, that is. He's not interested in sharing that throne with anybody else, including those close to you. And guess who else? You too. He said, I'm Lord also. This means that all we do as believers is to be done in a way that lifts Jesus up. But the problem is, and I say we, we all do this because I'm including myself. We do all kind of things without seeking Jesus first. That house we bought, we ain't pray about it. Nope. That person we're dating, no, oh, they was good to me. I, nope, we didn't pray. That car we're driving, nope. We just, I got it. The job change, nope, we're just going to leave community, go here. It, it gives me more money. Nope, I'm not, I'm not consulting you, Jesus. I got this. We don't seek Jesus because there's this little voice inside of us that says in our heads, I have the mental capability to make my own decisions. I don't need your help. I, I can see right from wrong. Ah, she, she. He, she, she looks good. He looks good. They're right for me. That house, oh man, it lines up with my, my financial, my budget. It is exactly what I need. I love it and I can make this work. And here's the thing. God wants us to come to him in all of those things. He wants us to seek his direction in the big and the small things in our lives. He wants us to come to him. Because here's the thing. You can go ahead and marry the person you think is right for you. And then years down the line, you can, remember, you can find out you were oh so wrong, all kind of mess and craziness all up in that relationship because you, you, you ain't go to God. You didn't get the counsel beforehand that you needed. Ah, you bought that house and you're like, I can pay for it. Financially, it works. And then the market crashes. Ugh. Friends, hear me. God doesn't just want us to praise him as Savior, but he wants us to live for him as Lord. This means acknowledging him in all things. You see, it's easy to look the part. Judas Iscariot, he's one of the 12 disciples. He walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He even called him Lord. He did miraculous works in Jesus' name, but yet... He, give, he trades Jesus' life for 30 pieces of silver. Don't miss it because here's the point. What matters is not what you like or what you do, what you feel is right or what you want to be right, but what matters is sincere obedience to the Father's will flowing from a heart of faith. See, genuine intimacy with God the Father means knowing God but also being known by God. See, this simply means in all you do, you seek first to do what God says in his word. Oh, that's tough though. Because I feel a certain way about something. Ah, sex, sex before marriage. Ah. But the Bible says that's fornication. It says it's sin. 
So God, Lord, Jesus is Lord, so I'm not going to do that. Murder, lying, cheating, stealing, disobeying my parents. Not, not, I'm not going to do that because uh, God says that's sin, that, that's it's not right. He's Lord. Uh, pornography. Not going to do that when you break down the Greek word, sexual morality is porneia. That's where it's coming from. He says, flee from all of that. Ah, I'm going to please God. I, I want to live. By, I, I'm struggling with it, but I want to I live for him. Homosexuality, that, that, that's a big one. We may struggle with it. We may struggle with it, but ah, he talks about it being sin. But I, so I'm not going to do that. Now, hear me, y'all. See, here's the point. I'm talking about those that call Jesus as Lord. Lord. I'm not talking about the ones that don't, but you say Jesus is Savior and Lord. What that means is that we live in obedience to the word of God, even when we don't feel like it, we don't want to, or it goes directly against what we believe is supposed to be true. Now, hear me before you close off your ears to me, because I know we touched on some hot button topics there. And some of us are really struggling with this right now. Some of the things I named off. Hear me. God doesn't say no because he doesn't want you to experience pleasure. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't say no because he doesn't want you to have a good life. He doesn't say no because he doesn't know what you're going through. He created you. He, he knows what's going on. He knows, he knows all of this stuff that you're, you're dealing with right now. It, it's not that he doesn't want you to have good things. No, no, no. It's actually the direct opposite. You see, what ha- what's, what's the truth is that this word that's written right here, God has pre-planned. He's written it all down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit working through men so that we can live and work and do in a way that's for our good, but also going to please him. And here's the thing, God's not going to force you to do anything. He's not going to force obedience. I mean, if he wanted to, he could. He's God. According to Romans 1, though, the, the, here's the reality. Like, he, he's, not, he's not forcing you to do that, but the wrath of God today, which I think is far worse than him just striking us down, the wrath of God today is saying, he said, I'm going to let you go ahead and do what you want to do. I'm going to let you go ahead and fulfill your own passions, seek your own desires, and I'm going to let you go do that. I'm going to take my hand off a little bit, and now we're seeking the created thing versus the creator God himself. Hear me, the, the Christian lives for God, forsaking their own desires, their wants, if it's misguided or not in line with the will of God because they understand how good God has been to them. See, you're not going to serve and be obedient if you don't believe God is good. But see, the Christian knows of God's goodness and how he saved them. And so they serve him with a willing heart because God is good. See, obedience, family, hear me, to God is not forced, but it's warranted because God has been good. See, true obedience is the mark of a true believer. God has given us the roadmap right here. It's called the Bible. But the problem is, we don't know the word. Yeah, we don't. And you can't live for Jesus if you don't know him. My good friend Charlie Dates, pastor's progressive Baptist church on the south side, he took a survey last year in his church, and it was just trying to figure out how much they knew the Bible because our surveys tell us that this generation, we're the most biblically illiterate generation. We drive, we're, we're driven by our feelings. We're driven by what we want. And so he asked this church in this survey, how many, how many of y'all can name six 
of the 12 disciples. You know that more than half of the church couldn't name six. And, and before you shake your head, I'd probably venture to say we're probably in that same boat. We cannot live for Jesus if we don't know his word. We don't know him. Okay, well, Pastor D, come on now. Let's be serious. People can obey all day long, but does that really mean that their heart is repentant and genuine? I mean, I, I can look at someone. I mean, is their heart truly changed they, or, or do they just look the part like they're really obey, being, uh, being obedient? Do they just display the behavior or do they just give off the notion of being a Christ follower? I'm going to answer that question. Let's look back at verse 16 from the, our text last week. It says that you know people by their fruit, right? We've heard this before. You, you know people by their fruit. But then Jesus says something that kind of messes it up a little bit because he says their fruit can be rotten. He said fruit can still be bad. It can be rotten and bad. And we know this. What he's really trying to get at is now it's still a question of the heart. He's still in that same thing. He's beating that same drum. So the question lingers, well, what fruit am I really supposed to bear? Or better yet, how do I know if the fruit I'm bearing is good fruit, if, if it's not just simply trying to live for you and, and, and not sinning? Because if you're thinking like me, when I read the passage like today and I get to verse 22 and I see that me, I'm talking about myself, I, I preached good words in, in Jesus' name. I've done miraculous acts for, for Jesus and all in his name. And I look at all of that and I'm like, what else you need from me, Jesus? Isn't that enough? And Jesus beats the same drum after that. He says, no, 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 no. It's doing the will of the Father. It's obedience. But still, can, can somebody appear to, be, appear to be obedient and really not have a changed heart? And the answer is yes. But stay with me because I promise if I'm not already in your neighborhood, I'm about to pull up in your driveway. Y'all, this question right now comes because we are a people, don't miss it, that are always watching other people. We're always watching what other people do. So if you represent something, I'm going to watch you. You got a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, I'm going to see if they really matter to you. If you, you say you're a Christian, okay, I'm going to watch everything you do. See, we watch people all the time. And here's the point, family, we have to be, it's very important, don't miss this, to distinguish or try to gain understanding when we're trying to distinguish someone's fruit. See, because when we look at people, when you look at someone and you're trying to uh, figure out the fruit of their life. You're watching one's fruit. It can be really easy to pick out the insincere act. It's really easy to pick out the flaw in someone else's life because we all mess up. And if we're honest, you know, we have a very keen eye for people in their failures. But we're, we, don't, we don't watch a lot of time for the success. We, we, don't, we don't actually pick people up. We, we don't, we're not celebrating with them. We're looking for them to fail. And, and, and family, this happens too much in the church. We're some of the worst at this. We pick out the failure so quick, there's no grace. You messed up. But hear me clearly, one failure or mess up isn't sufficient to say someone is not a believer or else every one of us would fit in that category. 
So the question of someone's belief is instead determined by repeated refusal or failure over and over again or choosing to live in one's rebellion to the word of God. And, and I'm not talking about struggles. We all have our struggles. We all struggle with something. Are you struggling well, I like to ask, or are you failing? There's a big difference between the two. We're going to struggle, but you got to struggle well. But there's a difference between failing and just choosing to live in that mess. What I'm talking about right here is the continual behavior to walk in a way that the Bible would call sin. But see, here's the very tricky part that Jesus is really trying to get at in this text. Don't miss it. None of us will be able to watch all of another person's public or private acts. So it can be really hard sometimes to tell whether someone is not is a true believer. At least the one that calls them a self-believer. It, it can be really hard to pick out that. So hear me, what Jesus is really trying to get, while he's saying beware of the false teachers and the wolves in the sheep's clothing, he's also saying don't be so enamored or caught up looking at other people's lives, trying to check their works, because I am going to one day judge everybody's heart. I am going to do that. He says to the Christian, stop trying to be me. I got this. So in essence, in the midst of him saying, beware, I believe he's also checking us a little bit in these verses today to the believer. He's saying, don't worry, because I will one day judge everyone's heart. And number two, he's saying to the believer, look, I will judge everyone. So everyone better be checking the condition of their heart. And who are you truly serving? Is it the will of the Father? Or is it something or someone else? Are you poser? I know it's tough, but are you, or are you truly obedient to the word of God and love Jesus? Now, now, here's the good news. Because I know some of us are sitting here and saying, well, Pastor D, I'm trying my hardest to obey, but I fall sometimes. I'm with you. I got it. I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him my all, but my flesh is so weak. Hear me, if you remember what I said earlier, I said this phrase, I said, an oral confession of Jesus as Lord does not always indicate a repentant heart. Friends, Jesus doesn't just want us to acknowledge him as Lord with our words, but in doing so, part of acknowledging him as Lord is the fact and understanding that we will all fall short and we will always fall short of his measuring rod by ourselves. Which means that we will never be holy by ourselves. We will never be without sin by ourselves. Which means, believer or not in here, you're going to still fall. You're going to mess up throughout your life. Family, the Christian walk is one of constant repentance and belief. Is a constant and continual recognizing your wrongdoings and saying, I'm doing this, my thoughts are off, I'm, I'm wrong right here, and then turning from those things, turning and believing in a good God. It's continually repentance and belief, repentance and belief. One scholar said it's like the Christian walk in repentance and belief is like breathing. Yeah. It's like breathing. You breathe out all the bad things. God, I'm so sorry for what I did last night. I did this. Please forgive me, God. And then you 
breathe in the truths of God, like 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You breathe out, and then you breathe in truths like Romans 8, 1. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You breathe out again, and then you breathe in those truths of God. Truths like Romans 8, 34 through 39. Look at them with me. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword keep breathing as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered keep breathing knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death look at these words nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is good news. That your salvation is not based off of anything you do, but it's based off of what Jesus has done for us. Family, hear me. God doesn't just want you to call Jesus Lord so he can sit back and take a tally of all your mess ups and your mishaps and how you lived your life and say, I can't believe you did that. No, 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 no. He knew that we wouldn't measure up. He knew that we would mess up. He knew that we would keep doing that. He knew that. That's why he sends Jesus, his son, in the flesh. He sends God in the flesh. He comes down here. He dies the death that we were supposed to die on the cross, takes our sin upon himself and to the grave once and for all. Then he raises with power in his hands. And then according to Romans 8, He's still now ascended to heaven, but sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And you sit here and you say, well, why would he be doing that? Why is he interceding on my behalf? Didn't you just die, Jesus? Didn't you already give it up for me? Well, I, I, I really believe Jesus knew that me, believer or not, he knew that we would still mess up. So he's still sitting there at the Father's side saying, so when God looks down, he's seeing Jesus instead of you. Because God, hear me, y'all, is still in the business of providing forgiveness. He's not done yet. So to the person that walked in here and you're saying, I'm so far from God. I'm so messed up. I've done things that you couldn't imagine, Pastor D. I, I've done all these things. God, why would he want me? And to you, I say, try Jesus. He's seen it all. You're not surprising him and he still wants you. He died for your sin, past, present, and future sins. And he's still interceding on your behalf. Just believe. Repent and believe. And to the one that walked in here that's a believer and saying, I know Jesus, but I've messed up. I've done so much wrong. I've hurt people. I've been living the way I want to live in rebellion. I, I've been doing what I think is right, what I feel is right. I haven't really been trusting Jesus. I know him, but I haven't been living right. Do the same thing you did when you came to him. Repent and believe because here's the reality. He still loves you. 
His love never fails. His love is still covering you. He still wants you. He's already forgiven you. Say, come on back. Repent and believe. I'm still here. Turn from that mess and turn back to me. Repent and believe. Friends, let's be a church that's not full of posers. Let's be a church that genuinely loves Jesus and follows his word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good and awesome God. We thank you, God, even when ah, the word is tough. It may not feel good sometimes, God. But God, we thank you for being a good God. Even the fact that we're still sitting here today is proof that you love us. Lord, I just ask that that you cover the hearts of your people. There's some in here that are struggling with truth. They're struggling with their own mess. Some walked in and said, I don't don't know Jesus. I've never trusted him. God, I pray that you work in their hearts right now to draw them to a place where they'd say, I've tried all this mess. I've tried all these things. I need something more. And that they would turn their eyes and their hearts toward you, Jesus. To the person that walked in here and has been off track and messed up God I pray right now if they haven't already they will do business with you they will repent and say God I'm sorry accept your forgiveness God ask for forgiveness and run to you that they would trust you as Lord and that your way is better than any way we can make for ourselves God we we thank you we give you all the glory and all the honor work in our hearts, Lord Jesus. And through your goodness, continually draw us to you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.